0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org.
1: Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For the moment, our our praise team, thank you, praise team. Sister Angela, anointed and powerful in directing our music from the time we arrived this morning, the Spirit of God moving powerfully in this place. Folks, I'm telling you that there's something about this COVID thing that has driven some of us, and hopefully you too, to a place we've not been before. I can tell you, if you don't like this, Pastor, the way it is, it's going to get worse. Because I just feel God releasing me in my bones. I'm tired of being settled. I'm tired of being bound up. I'm tired of not being what God has called me to be. I'm going to release it. I'm going to say it like it is. I can't hold back anymore. This isn't for you. If this isn't for you, I'm sorry, but I got to preach it. I got to say it. I got to do what God's doing. And I know some of you leaders have already talked to me. You're feeling the same thing, you're called the same way. It just can't be the same the way we went in, coming out. I just, I'm convinced of that. It's wonderful to have so many of you at the house of the Lord this morning. I know some of you have finally gotten a chance to get back. We're after the Memorial Day holiday, and, and so many great faces here. I know many are at home still, and I know some are still being careful, and that's great. Thank you for being with us on the broadcast this morning. Uh, but we've got a pretty good sized house here, and, and, and people have done their work, and their families are together. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So it is great to be back. It's Pentecost Sunday. It's a day that that we recognize, and, and dare I say, we celebrate. We celebrate a day, as I said, that happened on this earth, the greatest day that's ever been known to mankind from that period forward, the day that Jesus returned in the form of the Holy Ghost and filled his disciples, his followers, with his spirit, literally gave him the abilities, the power that he had within them to do great and marvelous works. Jesus said, you will do greater works. You will do more. And it's because we're gonna broaden and spread across this world and we're gonna take this message to him. And that's what he expects of us today. And so I'm very thankful to be here to celebrate with you Pentecost Sunday. We refer to ourselves as Pentecostals. This is uh, an apostolic church. I'm licensed with the United Pentecostal Church International, one of the largest Pentecostal denominations in the world. And uh, we take our heart, we take our direction, we take everything from the word of God and from that time forward, what God expected us to do as disciples of him from Acts chapter two, that day of Pentecost moment, and we take that forward. Every word of the word of God, every notion that God had given us in, in the direction that he gave the, the disciples and the apostles as he taught them we take that forward that's why we're Pentecostals that's what Pentecost means and I'm going to talk a little bit about that today now many of you are aware that I brought this whole message through prior to our return the journey through the book of Acts what's in your chapter I hope you've been praying about that I hope you've been thinking about it about what's in your chapter because the book of Acts is still being written today we're writing it right now This movement, this powerful move of the Holy Ghost, the things that are happening in the house today, I know that there's people receiving something today, perhaps a healing, perhaps something in their heart, something in their mind is happening today. It's being written in the 29th chapter, in the 30th chapter, and so on in the book of Acts. So I'm 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 out of of that side of things. I'm I'm moving through that. And I'm not going to talk as much about the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts today, But I do want to ask you this one question. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? Amen. Now, before I move forward in my message, I just want to share a couple of things with you. Some of you may have noticed there were little black buckets that were brought up here on either side of the platform, and some of us came up and we gave our offering into the black buckets. Now, many of us are doing the online giving, and it's great. It's efficient, it's fast, and it works terrific, and it doesn't cost the church anything, and it's wonderful, but some are still traditionally giving through their checks and their cash. We worship in our giving. Is that correct? Is that right? Is it word of God that that part of our worship is in our giving to the kingdom? Okay, I just want to make sure I'm good. And so, as you worship in your giving, if you continue to do so, every week, about the third song or so, you'll see the ushers come up, two of them will place those buckets there. And during that worship time, we don't want to stop the flow of worship. We don't want to bring everything to a clunk. We don't want to halt everything. And so, what we want you to do is if you see those buckets come up and you want to make your offering, just make your way up and just... Worship in your giving. And if people here are here praising at the altar like they were today, that's okay. Just work your way around them and go ahead and give your offering, all right? Does that sound good? Yeah. Jesus' name, amen. All right, just a quick thing for yesterday. Thank you so much to uh, Sister Angela and Eliza Carlson uh, for music yesterday for Brother Steve's funeral. It was a wonderful service. And, uh, and we said farewell to a very dear, sweet, wonderful man, a great friend of mine. And uh, they did a wonderful job in our music yesterday. Thank you so much for that. Sister Eliza and the ladies crew, uh, Sister Carlson, uh, Sister Cordell, Carrie Hemingway, uh, Sister Kylie, uh, Danielle Bartlett, Sister Bauer. Why am I exchanging sisters and first names? I don't know. Uh, Sister Brown, uh, Val and Mona Carlson, uh, Sister Elizabeth Hemingway, uh, and Brother Courtney and Kathy Hickey were here with sound and and, uh, visuals. And so they helped us all yesterday. They came and gave of their time, and we're very thankful uh, for that. And Sister Becky uh, Whitman was very, very blessed uh, by everything that the church had done, and all the hard work that they put together, the, the, everything was set up just beautifully. Uh, Sister Carlson, thank you for a beautiful, wonderful job that you did in the <laughs> gymnasium. My, my dear sweet wife felt it in her heart to help out uh, with Sister Becky. It was a very tough time, and their friends, and so she went and got sheet cakes. And uh, she outfitted the entire hospitality suite with all kinds of food and goodies and refreshments. And and, uh, uh, Caden and Cameron helped her haul all of that in and put it away. So uh, thank you guys all for that. It was a wonderful ministry to their family. And we had a chance to share the Lord with them yesterday. So, thank you for that. And finally, before I dive in, uh, because of the tables and chairs and mat that are set up back there, if I could get about six or eight guys to help Brother Bickley right after church, they're going to head back there. Uh, Six, eight guys can get that knocked out in about a half an hour, Uh, eight or 10, a little bit less. Uh, It goes pretty fast, but if we could have a hand on that, that would be wonderful. All right, amen? All right. So, I ask you again, I don't know if I heard a good enough response, if I heard, but I ask you again, do you believe in miracles? All right, now we heard it. Many of you are very familiar with the famous phrase shouted out by uh, sports announcer Al Michaels in the 1980 Olympics. That famous phrase, do you believe in miracles? Yes. And he was talking about the U.S. hockey team uh, beating the Russians at that time. The miracle on the ice, as it was called, occurred on February 22, 1980 at the Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, New York in a hockey game between the USA and the Soviet Union. The U.S. men's hockey team was the youngest in Olympics history, averaging 21 years old. The Soviet Russians were longtime professionals, dominating the sport for decades. And at a time when the Olympics were for amateurs only, the Russians fudged the rules, imagine that, by having state factories pay players full time salaries for no show jobs. So it was going to be a fair, a very unfair fight. But it was dramatic. Americans love an underdog story, of course, and the slanted rules of the international uh, rules play meant that our team was widely expected to lose very badly. They weren't going to win. The Russians had beaten the U.S. 10-3 to 3 two weeks earlier at Madison Square Garden. The Russians, in fact, had not lost a hockey game in the Olympics since the 1960s. And they opened up the game by taking a 2 1 lead. But the American side, led by Coach Herb Brooks, fought back, eventually taking the lead with 10 minutes left. Impossibly, the college kids had come back to win it. The crowd began counting down the final seconds as Al Michaels made that famous play call of the 20th century Do you believe in miracles? Yes. It was inspiring, it was powerful. It was an incredible time for our country. Of course, they went on to win the gold medal after that. That was the semifinal round. They beat the Russians, an impossible, impossible thing. And Al Michaels, I believe, fairly referred to that as a miracle. And we've tossed that word around a lot. Uh, we, lots of things are a miracle to people. Sometimes when my children pick up after themselves, it's a miracle. <laughs> Amen. They washed a the dish today. It's a miracle. We throw that word around a lot. But I want to tell you that in the day of Pentecost, and, I'm, and, and if you're wondering why I'm giving you a sports cast, it's because I'm relating it to the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was followed by an amazing amount of miracles. As you go through, as we were journeying through, perhaps you heard, and I talked about a few of them. There's something about that factor, that Pentecost moment. The miracle, of course, the greatest miracle, was the fact that God returned in the form of His Spirit. He gave His Spirit and infilled us. It's not just that warm, fuzzy feeling when we come to church and we sing a couple of good songs. It's that powerful infilling of the Holy Ghost that the Bible tells us, that it's the living water that's pouring from our bellies. It's those words that He gives us. Why did He choose that? Because the tongue can no man tame the worst part of our bodies the most powerful and destructive thing within this human structure is this piece of flesh in the middle of my mouth between my sets of teeth and it's powerful and destructive and the bible says it can set the world afire and so god chose the tongue as the thing to tame the thing that if he could get that if he could give you to surrender that awful nasty tongue of yours if he could subdue that he knew that he had your heart And therefore, it was the pathway for the spirit to get into the heart. I want to just insert something today. I'm going to be slightly, just a hair, just a touch, little bit political today. I want to tell you that it's the tongue that is setting our world on fire today. It's social media. It's mainstream media perpetuating and and, and, and infuriating and lighting the fires and spreading the kerosene and lighting the world to fire. It's the words. It's the tongue that's untamed. They've got a hold of our social society. They're an enemy to the state. I've said it before, and I'll stand here and say it again. They're an enemy to this this country, tearing it apart. I'm not going to get into the rest of the story. That's not my place and not, not the time for that. But I'm trying to set the tone of how powerful this tongue's miracle was, this important aspect why God chose tongues. It seems strange to people. It's weird. It's something you talk with. We don't, we don't talk much about it. We're, we're kind of hushed about it. But this great miracle that God gave us wasn't going to come easy. It wasn't going to come with a couple of words to say, I accept you, Lord. It wasn't going to come like some sort of candy store deal for a couple of cents and a little bit of effort. We get this great and powerful, the spirit of God himself dwelling inside of us doesn't come cheap. It comes with a complete and utter surrender of our hearts and our our minds and our tongues and that's why God chose it <laughs> folks I want to tell you that there's approximately 750 million people estimated on planet earth right now that share that same experience with you don't be ashamed of your tongue-talking Holy Ghost born again heaven bound believing in self there ain't nothing wrong with that It seems strange to people. We've let it hush. We've let it go away. And I'm here to tell you today, I'm talking about the day of Pentecost because I want a day of Pentecost. I want Pentecost to come back, not just because of my own personal desires. I just love to hoop it up at church and I'm just one of those crazy people that doesn't want to sit quiet. I'm telling you, the world today, right now, what's happening out there needs a day of Pentecost. They need a Pentecost experience to say what in the world is going on over there at Oconomowoc Church? What's happening over there? Because it's something powerful. It's something good. It's full of love and peace and joy and understanding. Everything that they don't have out there right now is they're tearing the world apart, looting stores and burning things. I don't care what the justification is for it, by the way. I don't care one way or the other. Again, it does matter to me. Something horrible is happening in this world. And it wasn't just a couple weeks ago in Minneapolis. It's everywhere. Evil is running rampant in this world. People are being hurt and destroyed. And the church of the living God is being called up. Being called up to have another Pentecost moment. Do you know what happened on that day? 3,000 souls were captured by that. Caught up in that fire that they caught in the upper room on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 souls, and it would just continue to add on from there, thousands after that. The day of Pentecost was followed with miracles. Everything that they did was accompanied by miracles. Do you understand? It wasn't just actions after that. It wasn't just that first miracle. That first miracle was the greatest one, that infilling of the Holy Ghost. But from there forward, there were more to come. There was more miracles accompanied with their ministry and their speaking the word of God and telling the testimony of Jesus and reaching out to people. There were healings. There were people being delivered. What I'm saying to you today is we can't have this Pentecost if there ain't gonna be some signs and some wonders following. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? Are you ready to embrace it? Folks, the church is changing. You understand, it's, it, it, it's, it's gone through a time. We, we, we've been very blessed, very powerful, wonderful. People have been saved under this message. But see, that was, that was a time of rejoicing and gathering and building and growing. But this army is being called up. This army of peace and power and miracles and what we're going to do moving forward is going to be accompanied by miracles, I know there's people in this room that could raise their hand right now and say, I have personally been a part of or witnessed a miracle. Am I wrong? Can I get some hands? There's a lot of hands up in this room right now. Are we talking about it? Are we telling about it? Rich, you're going to get your moment. You hold on. Let me take you through the word very quickly. My message is rather short today because I want to get back to some altar service time. I want to encourage you to a powerful time of Pentecostal worship and altar service time today. Peter healed a man in Jerusalem The book of Acts chapter 1, you could read it 1 through 11. Ananias and Sapphira were struck dead because they lied to the Holy Ghost. That's a miracle. They just fell dead because they lied to the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 5. The apostles performed many wonders in Jerusalem all through Acts chapter 5, 12 through 16. Peter and John preached the Holy Ghost in Samaria, Samaria, excuse me, in Acts chapter 8. And people were filled with the Holy Ghost again. That miracle repeated. Peter heals Aeneas of palsy in in, in, uh, Lydda in in Acts chapter 9. Peter raises Tabitha to life in Joppa in Acts chapter 9 as well Peter was delivered out of the prison by an angel in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 12 miracles, miracles, miracles and what were they doing at the time when all of this was happening? hanging out at the restaurant, sitting around in the garden no, they were spreading the word of God they were ministering the word of God actively sharing the word of God, giving their testimony speaking about Jesus they were inciting miracles to happen I talked to you in the course of that journey that Peter, the man who failed God, the man who was a disaster as a disciple, denied him three times, failed him multiple times, irrational, pulled out a sword and cut a guy's ear off in the garden. Just, he was a disaster as a disciple. But what was different, after the day of Pentecost, something came over him. He became a powerful disciple, was the minister of most of the first half of the book of Acts. Powerful Peter was. But he and John walking up to the gate at the temple Sees the lame man asking for money. All he wanted was some money. Imagine you and I, side by side, walking up and looking at this man and simply saying, silver and gold have I none, but that which I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. The Bible says that they've lifted the man up and his legs straightened out beneath him and he literally ran, jumping and praising into the temple. A miracle was performed. In the name of Jesus. Do you believe in miracles? Amen. Here's the follow-up question. Do you want miracles? Yes. Amen. Acts chapter 12, God smites Herod so, so that he dies because of his wicked ways. Elimus the sorcerer was smitten with blind, uh, blindness in Paphos in uh, Acts chapter 13 starting at 6. Paul was converted on the road to Damascus. Another great miracle. He became the great preacher of the latter half of the, of the book of Acts and most of the book, of uh, all the books of the New Testament nearly uh, became a powerful man for the, for the Gentiles. Paul, excuse me, Paul heals a cripple at Lystra in Acts chapter 14. He casts out a spirit of divination in Philippi in 16. Paul and Silas and doors are blown open from an earthquake in Philippi in Acts chapter 16 also. Paul preaches the Holy Ghost at Corinth in 19 and people are once again filled with the Holy Ghost. Miracles upon miracles. Paul heals the multitude in that same chapter. He restores Eutychus to life in Troas, that's the young man that fell out of the balcony when he fell asleep, brings him back to life by falling on him and praying over him. Paul shakes a viper off of his hand on the island of Malta. He's They think he should be poisoned. An asp had grabbed his hand, and and the people of Malta thought that he was an evil person until he shook it off and he lived. And then Paul went on to preach to Publius, the leader of the tribe there, and healed his father. Miracle upon miracle upon miracle. A survey survey from the Pew Forum on Religion showed that a vast majority of Americans, nearly 80%, believe in miracles. The results are from a wider study, Religion Among Millennials... An extremely outstanding or unusual event, thing or accomplishment. That's Merriam-Webster's definition of the word miracle. But it goes on. An an event manifesting divine intervention, a wonderful occurrence. And from that alone, you might conclude that our understanding of miracles is murky at best. We have a lot of definitions. People see them a lot of way. Some people used to mention the word miracle too, and they think there's a ho, and a loud hosanna, and a light should shine, and the word... Perhaps it's just a matter of reaching out to a friend. Let me pray for you. Let's receive that miracle today. I don't believe that Paul and John, as they approached the gate beautiful, I don't believe for a second that they shouted and yelled and there was a loud hosanna and a shining light. I think in confidence and boldness and the power of the Holy Ghost that existed within them, they simply just reached out and spoke words of confidence and said, Sir, this I give unto thee. And then they spoke in the name of Jesus Christ for the for that person's healing. The study shows that young adults, the so-called millennial generation, don't attend church services regularly, are less inclined to express religious preference or affiliation than their elders, but profess widespread belief in the afterlife, in heaven and hell, and in miracles. Nearly 80%, as I said, of all Americans, in fact, say that they believe in miracles. In an article from Psychology Today, December 15th, 2017, Even physicians believe in miracles. In a national poll of 1,100 physicians from different religious faiths, the physicians were asked whether they believed in miracles. 74% believed a miracles occurred in the past, past, and 73% held their belief that miracles occur today. Moreover, 72% of the physicians believed that religion is a reliable and necessary guide to life. See, it's this sort of hidden thing. It's this this quiet thing nobody likes to talk about. It's, it's because it's become weird. We've been sheltered over. We've been pushed into the, into the, into the, the darkness, into the shadows with some of these things. We don't like to talk about that. Some of the weirdest, strangest, most bizarre things comes out of Hollywood, comes out of television, comes out of your car radio, comes out of books and magazines, the strangest, most bizarre things you could ever possibly imagine. And everybody's, oh, isn't that wonderful? We have, that's diversity, and that's, that's terrific and wonderful. You mentioned miracles. And you're some kind of a religious kook. Walked into a store, I was a Yellow Page salesman many years ago, and I was in, I was in the, well, I won't say what city I was in. I don't want to indemnify anybody. I walked into a store, I had, I had an ad program that I had to work with this person. Some of you have heard this great story. And so I walk in there, and, and it's, it's a, a, a shop full of rocks literally a rented store full of rocks. There were rocks on shelves and rocks in cases and rocks all over the place. And I meet this woman who owns the store to take care of her advertising, and she was the rock lady. Now, that's okay, right? You're probably thinking, okay, so she collects rocks, right? Yeah, until she began to speak to them. I'm not kidding. She began to speak to them and ask them questions and talk to them. They were her friends, And as I was working with my ad program, the competitor ad program was on her table there. She had both of our books side by side. And and I said, well, here's our ad program this year. Do you want to renew your program, et cetera? And she said, well, I have to talk to my friends and I have to ask them. And so she had one of her friends hanging around her her neck on some chains, which I thought was a really rude thing to do to your friend. But who am I to say if you want to chain up your friends, it's you know, your choice. But she told me about how the university would come in and people from the geology department would want to buy her rocks and it just, it just killed her to sell the rocks to the geologist because she knew that they were going to take them back to their lab and cut them up and break them up. And, that's, and she could only do that if she had permission from the rocks to do that because apparently they don't feel anything. And so miraculously, every time they came and she asked the rocks, they were always okay with it. And they weren't cheap either. Um, so she sold her friends. Anyway, so she takes the rock from her, from her necklace thing, and she says, well, I need to ask them. And she puts her hands over the top, and she takes the thing, and she starts waving it over and doing a number like this. She was waiting for an answer. And she, she like this right here. And she said, oh, you know what? I'm sorry, they're, they're not really happy about that, so I don't think we're going to continue and I said, that's great, because that's the competitor's book. Mine's right here. <laughs> true story. That's a true story. And the, uh, well, no, I, I, I think I'm going to keep this one, not that one. So the rocks lied. <laughs> anyway, miracles are weird. Tongues is weird, but Okay. Let me take you a little bit forward here because there's a, there's a point to all this and I want to encourage you. I want to have a powerful day of Pentecost today. In the early 20th century, I, I, I mentioned to you earlier, I don't want to go back to the Acts chapter two yet. You can go back and read all the recordings and you, or whatever, you can read it for yourself and, and we'll preach Acts chapter 238 uh, for now until the end of time. But what I want to talk about today and what I want to reveal to some of the people that are watching today is that this experience just didn't happen 2,000 years ago in the book of Acts. I want to talk about the early 20th century when a latter rain time came, when there were people in this country, believe it or not, that heard that something was going on in a little country called Wales. And there was something happening over there. There was something that was going on that hadn't been heard of for many, many years And that is that there were people that had gotten into the word of God and they were praying and they were reading about this experience. And something got inside them and said, hey, something happened with the Christians. Why aren't we doing this right now? Why is it so different? And what they were talking about was that Acts 2.38 experience, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And a little group of people in the country of Wales began to pray for something called the infilling of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. And that revival began in the country of Wales and eventually made it here. In the early part of the 20th century, modern Pentecostalism began actually on January 1st, 1901. That's right. In the 20th century, this experience was had. A lady named Agnes Osmond, a student at Charles F. Parham's Bethel Bible School in Topeka, Kansas, spoke in tongues because she had been praying for it. She had heard about these revivals. Now the story goes that she spoke in Chinese and that she could not speak English for several days after that. On January 3rd, Parham and a dozen other students also spoke in tongues. This thing caught fire again. This is what the word refers to as the latter rain, the time when the Spirit was coming back. Parham and his followers later moved to Texas and began a spiritual revival in 1905. This was followed by what became known as the Azusa Street Revival. United States of America, Los Angeles, California, had an Acts 238 experience. Centered on the Apostolic Faith Gospel Mission in Azusa Street, Los Angeles, California, led by the African American preacher William Joseph Seymour, who had studied with Parham. In 1906, Seymour preached the message that God would send a new Pentecost if people prayed for one and was rewarded when he and his congregation began speaking in tongues. Praise the Lord! This event, greatly held by apocalyptic thoughts prompted by the San Francisco earthquake, which happened soon after, sparked a powerful religious revival driven by three doctrines of salvation, sanctification, and baptism in the Spirit, in which the gifts of the Spirit were seen on a large scale. Over 13,000 people are said to have spoken tongues the first year of this latter rain time, this Pentecost that came to the United States of America. Some people are going to look at you and they're going to say, oh, that's that old time stuff. That's not for now, Pastor. That's from way back, 2,000 years ago. That happened with the apostles. we got to be calmer in church. we got to be quieter. we got to be more reverent. That's what church is about. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people are just kind of drifting their way on out. There's no life in that. There's no power in that. How do you compete with that? How does a church organization compete with that when the world is bombarding the citizens with entertainment and words and songs and all this this just constant barrage of of music and sound and, and, and all of these things coming out of Hollywood and elsewhere? The world's tearing itself up, as I said before. Why? Because there isn't a voice out there that's louder. Pentecost is for today. The Pentecostals Assembly of the World in 1916 and the United Pentecostal Church in 1945 were founded after a split of doctrinal differences. Many of you understand that was the doctrine of the oneness that broke those two apart. Many organizations have split off, consider themselves to be Pentecostal organizations, but are out there preaching the truth, living the truth. That's why I said worldwide, there's 750 million people prescribing to this event, this crazy miracle that we're talking about today, speaking in tongues, living the Pentecost experience. So what's it going to take moving forward? It's going to take some disciples that can change. The disciples before Pentecost, let me just give you an idea. The disciples before Pentecost, prior to that day, they were disappointing. They were a disaster, as I said before. Philip is panicking in the upper room and unsure of whom Jesus really was. As Jesus was sharing the bread and the wine at the Last Supper, Luke, if you read in Luke, it tells us the disciples began to fight over the stupidest thing. It was, who is the greatest in the kingdom? That's what they were worried about. They didn't even understand yet who Jesus Christ really was. Think think about how Christ must have been hurt by this, listening to them argue and banter over who's the greatest in the kingdom with them. They fell asleep and left him alone during his time of agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter denied him three times. Judas betrayed him. Thomas doubted him at the cross. All the disciples deserted him and fled. When he needed their support, they constantly disappointed him. These are the disciples prior to Pentecost. You know that all the scriptures and all the books of the Bible were written after Pentecost, right? Okay, I just wanted you to know. They became great after Pentecost. After preaching his most demanding discipleship sermon, you can read it in John chapter 6. This is where he talked about the blood and all those things that just did people didn't understand. It was a demanding uh, a, a piece of message that he gave them, a sermon that was powerful and convicting. The entire crowd rejected him. They departed in mass, except for the final 12. They were a disaster. I'd like you to for con- consider just a moment for me how Jesus felt when his closest friends misunderstood him, criticized him, denied him, betrayed him, and left him alone at the cross. If Jesus could transform this group of people, he could transform you and I. He could transform anybody. Think of how he felt as he, ar- he was arrested in the garden. Matthew records one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible where it says, And they all forsook him and fled. They were a disaster afterwards. And I'm closing this morning. You can stand with me and our our ushers have come. Jesus tried so desperately through his teaching and his parables to get the disciples to understand the power they had through him. Through the power that we're going to have when he returned. And while he was with them, many of them, including Peter, just didn't seem to get it. They just didn't seem to get it. Even in his revelation in Matthew chapter 16 when he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You would think at that moment, that was it. Peter got it. He understood. But he still failed even after that. Why? Because he didn't have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. He didn't have that tongues experience, that sign that God had filled him fully with his spirit. He didn't have it yet. So what about after Pentecost? Acts chapter 2 it says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house that were, where they were sitting, and they appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Why? Because the Spirit gave them the utterance. The Spirit gave them the word. Jesus was filling them inside. If you go down to verse 14, it says, but Peter, standing up, with the eleven, they all stood up. They were all now full of this ghost, this holy ghost, this power. They all stood up. He lifted up his voice and he said unto them, You men of Judea and all of you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Listen to me, he's saying, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's to the third hour of the day, nine o'clock in the morning. But... This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel and it shall come to pass in the last days. saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days my spirit and they shall prophesy. Now here's the miracles part. Do you believe in miracles? Do you want miracles? Verse 19, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Doesn't that sound like what's going on out there right now? There's a lot of blood and fire and vapor of smoke happening in our world today. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon blood and before the great and notable day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that whosoever call on my name shall be saved. If you go down to verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul. Now listen, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, just like Joel prophesied God's words. Many wonders and signs were done. Wonders and signs are happening today. We're not chasing signs. The book of Mark says that signs and wonders will follow them that believe. If we really believe, if we want this Pentecost experience, if we're ready to go, if you're understanding that now is the time, that today is our Pentecost, today is our Azusa Street, it's time for a revival in the church of people willing to preach the miracles and do the work of God that he's calling us to do. It's ready for us. Verse 44 says, And all that believed were together and held all, all things in common. There was unity among the brethren. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, and as every man had need. Verse 46 says, And they, continuing daily, where? In one accord, in the temple. Where else? And breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Unity praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. This is our Pentecost. Now is the time for our miracles. Brother Rich, I'd like you to come up and join me. I want you to testify this morning. Before we call all our, all our, our altar service this morning, I want to give my good friend the opportunity to testify today.
2: Hello. Hello. Hello, Americans. <laughs> I'm going to try to give you the shortened version of it. There's a lot of things that led up to this and a lot of people involved, but we'll try to give you the shortened version of it. Um, going back to uh, a few weeks ago or three weeks ago, um, maybe a little bit longer, I was off work because of the COVID-19 And um, had our dogs out. We got two 70-pound golden retrievers. And a couple times, holding onto the leash with one, and all of a sudden, he took off and just yanked me like crazy, like a little rag doll. And it happened like three times. And uh, Becky wanted me to go to the doctor, and uh, I said, no, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Well, finally, one day, she... Had me at gunpoint and had me took me there. <laughs> and went in there, got the test, and she wanted to have a CT scan because my lower stomach was hurting a little bit on and off. So they did a CT scan, and the doctor came back and said, Hey, everything's looking good so far. Blood tests, this test, that test, everything's looking good. We just have the CT scan coming back. We'll let you know how that is. About a half hour later he came back he says i'm sorry i have some bad news you have pancreatic cancer and uh, i'm sitting like what what anyways um i said well i know of a almighty physician that can change that really fast so if i come back tomorrow and get another scan and that's gone he says You you believe in God and so on and so forth. I go, oh yeah. He says, "Do you mind if I pray for you right now?" I says, "Oh yeah." He got down on his knees and prayed for me. Prayed for me. I'm saying, never heard of that before. So it was great. Anyways, I think the next day we went down to Fredert and uh, they confirmed everything. Had stage four pancreatic cancer. I t- said the same thing. I said, I know of an almighty physician that can change that. And what would you do if that scan is blank if I take another one tomorrow? She says, well, we've had some things happen like that before. I says, okay. Right. So anyways, a um, couple days went by and um, pain kind of got worse one night. And it got so bad because they ask you what scale does it hurt and it was well one or two from a scale from zero to ten well this was a nine or ten I'm sitting there like oh my goodness tossing and turning went downstairs came back up went downstairs went downstairs and I'm praying to God like crazy I'm sitting there God help me help me through this what's going on what's going on and he told me that night he says that I'm going to heal you I says, good, snap your fingers, please, please, heal me now. He says, no, you're going to have a little bit of a trial. There's going to be a lot of pain involved. So I said, okay. So uh, went, somehow got a little bit of sleep, but not much. And later on that morning, a couple phone calls, this, that, the other. And, and I told Becky, I says, well, I'm going to go down and take a shower. So I went down to the basement, in the shower, and I felt a big, this is going to be a little bit strange, but I felt a little bit of pain in my side, a hurt. I looked down to my side, and there's a little, a little button there on my side, a little ache, and I pushed it, and all of a sudden, it's really hard to describe, but all of a sudden, the spirit just came above me, came from the bottom to the floor right over me. The lights got very bright, and I'm sitting there, what's going on? What's going on? God, are you healing me? Are you healing me? I I just ran up the stairs, just about naked, dripping wet. I said, Becky, Becky, I think God healed me. She says, oh my goodness, let's start giving God the glory. We put on the music, started praying and praising and opening up the doors and yelling outside. Hallelujah! Jumping up and down,
0: giving God all the glory.
2: Never experienced anything like that before in my life.
0: Yes. So I'm not going to take real long, but I have to add this because uh, God is a God of order and He knows the path that we take and He prepares that. Two weeks before this happened, God had been speaking to our son Nathan and just had rich on his heart didn't tell us anything Um, and then one day Rich says to me Nathan sent me a message now mind you this is in April we didn't know anything and um, so you know I briefly looked at it but you know and so (laughs) it's funny because later on Nathan goes he said he sent back said thank you (laughs) So anyway, this happens, and that was the 1st of May, and the 2nd of May, told the kids, and Nathan said, Mom, I was thinking about that message that I sent Rich. And I'm like, oh, so Rich and I went back and looked the message up. Hey, Rich, hope you're doing well. I've never done this before. So I'm praying that I can deliver this message in the right way. I want you to know that you've been on my heart for a while now. And I believe that Jesus has something he wants you to hear and believe in faith. So here it is. Jesus desires to make you whole. He knows all of the hurt and all of the pain you've ever been through. He holds all of those memories because he was there just like he is right now. His desire is to move and work in your life and to lift you up to a place that you have not yet experienced during your time of faithfully serving him. He's going to use you so that your children and their children and your brothers and sisters and your mom will come to know the saving grace and the great love of Jesus. Jesus. It's that same great love that wants you to know that now is the time to pray and believe it, to fast and seek his face like never before. He wants to remind you that one man named Jesus changed the world forever and that same world-changing Jesus' power is living inside of you and he wants to unlock more of it we are living in the end of the age the last days before he comes back to earth to claim us and he said that's pretty much everything i felt and this was two weeks before we knew anything and the god of glory knew and he sent this message so that he could prepare us and walk with us god is faithful and true